Welcome. We are so thankful that you are joining us today for our podcast, Our Shared Humanity. Our show is sponsored by the Healing and Reconciliation Institute and also through the donations and support of our listeners. Our show amplifies and celebrates the personal stories of healing and reconciliation in order to invoke our shared humanity. Each month, we welcome a guest to our show where we learn more about their personal commitment to the healing and reconciliation process, the tools that have helped them along the way, and the hopeful stories of healing circles that are happening all over our country and the world. We welcome you to join us by subscribing to our podcast and also checking out our organization's website, HealingReconciliationInstitute.org. Please also consider making a donation when you listen in to sustain our work. But we've seen it all before and now we know we can change it cause that's why we were born. We know we are the ones that we have been waiting for. We are the ones grandma has been praying for. So rise up. It is my honor today to, first of all, welcome Tanya Ruse to our show. With over 17 years of leadership experience within organizations dedicated to ecological resilience, social innovation, land stewardship, and community health and well-being, Tanya thrives when she is able to use her creative and collaborative instincts to manifest meaningful change in the world around her. Growing up a daughter of an immigrant in a multicultural and multi-ethnic household, Tanya was fortunate to travel abroad often, which she believes has been foundational in shaping her holistic and inclusive worldview. With an interdisciplinary studies degree in sustainable development from UC Berkeley, a master's degree in nonprofit administration from the University of San Francisco, and ongoing insights from the natural world, Tanya grounds her adventurous spirit in a deep sense of purpose, place, and hope for humanity. Tanya, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Maya. It's great to be here with you. And we, before we got together today, um, I asked you to, you know, be invited to think about some of the points you'd like to make around this work in healing and reconciliation, this path that you've been on. And, and I just, just thankful for the opportunity to get to dive a little deeper today with you into some of your personal stories um, of your work and also any tools you'd like to share with the, the listening audience. Maybe we should just start with a quick background of, of you and I. <laughs> Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love that. It was actually a really fun exercise for me as I was, uh, you know, preparing for our time together to to really look back, you know, on our our journey together as as friends and collaborators. Yes, and I and I what I've always felt like is, you know, you have many you have many incredible skills, and one of them that I was appreciative for and benefited from was just being introduced to this this beautiful community of women and one of the other events that you had invited me to and, and just what a stunning group that introduction was for me um, new to the area and, and and how those relationships have unfolded over the years. So I always feel a lot of gratitude for that. Um, I thought what we could start with is, you know, perhaps as you've prepared for today's conversation, any, um, you know, any of the personal stories that you have shared that you feel like would be helpful to our listening audience around your own voyage of healing reconciliation and, and keeping true to the form of this work. You know, we always start with the personal, of course. So, you know, our own our own personal reasons for being here. I took some notes and and really what I found actually is that all three of the, le- the learnings that I came to all circulate around a, a cultivating a deeper sense of trust, a deeper sense of trust in the uh, kind of 
unfolding of life, like, you know, kind of our, our story of meeting and how it's all kind of brought us to this moment. I think there's just such sublime serendipity in, in what is possible if we if we really learn to, to trust in the, the unfolding. The second piece for me is really learning how to, yeah, drop into a deeper sense of trust around the feminine. And, and calling in and cultivating deeper feminine relationships. I was, a, you know, born into a family with a very, very powerful and uh, domineering father. He was a, a survivor, fought in World War II, military man, you know, really tough. His love for me felt like it was earned by accomplishment, outward success, performing well on whatever X, Y, and Z. And like a good daughter, I did that. I could do that. I could do all of those things. But it was always at the the expense of other pieces of me being left behind. And for me, that's not what being a, a fully integrated and grounded human is about. You know, we want to really come forward with our, our whole self. And so, I, you know, it really wasn't until, you know, I think I, a lot in my life, I had kind of a, a little bit of a gnawing, a deeper knowing, you know, around this. And um, it wasn't until I, a fateful night in Costa Rica where I nearly, you know, lost my lost my life in, in that accident when my kind of whole worldview a little bit turned upside down. So that was really a pivotal, you know, a pivotal time in my life. And that's a lot to say, but it's been a been an incredible journey. This this idea around trust just really has resonated for me too. And I I, I really appreciate that that has been one of the the things that you've been chewing on, how that shows up for you and, and the learnings. And, you know, I really, you know, I think about how that, how that is, applies to us just truly trusting ourselves, especially if we've had parents who've had kind of a, a powerful presence in our life with their own stuff coming from their own lineage. And there are all kinds of, you know, very understandable reasons sometimes where, why they come to the way of parenting us. But I have always felt like that was where the loss of trust started for me was, you know, at, in those times where whatever my parents were trying to do to keep me safe at the time, uh, whether that was helpful or not later <laughs> is, you know, up for debate, but that that sometimes um, what they were asking me to do made me fall out of favor with my own sense of self-trust, um, trusting myself. And it took, I feel like it's taken me, you know, I'm solidly in my mid forties now. I feel like it's taken me this long to kind of get clear on, you know, trusting myself when I should speak, when I shouldn't. And especially in, um, through this lens of honoring all the diverse perspectives that, um, that are yearning to, to be shared, um, right now, you know, as a white identified woman, you know, what is, you know, how do I trust myself in this work as well? And, and so it's, it's a delicate line that I, I know that you walk as well. What, what have you found to be some of the more humbling parts of some of the work more recently that you and I have gotten to do? And for our, our listening audience, Tanya and I have had to, uh, had the opportunity to get to be in this learning environment together with the first of three steps of a reconciliation process with the Esalen Institute. And this first phase, this preparation phase of education, we've just uh, just recently completed um, a month ago. Um, so yeah, what's still fresh for you or what, what's been, what's lingered as you're thinking about this year and what you're preparing yourself for next? In a lot of ways, it felt easy that we were able to start in those conversations. And to me, when, when that happens, I know I'm on the right path. Um, so it just felt seamless and so then you and I started into conversation and um, you know I started engaging the CEO of the Institute in conversation as well around this and then we had the opportunity to to have that lunch with uh, 
the tribal chairman, Tom Little Bear, and our CEO, the CEO at Esalen. And again, it felt like it was a beautiful coming together. And rather than looking back and saying why things couldn't work and why it's been so hard, which of course is all important, we wanted to, we were really looking forward together in terms of what's possible. And that to me is really the sweet spot. And I think the the nature of, of the work and the skill that, that you bring um, HRI is creating the conditions basically under which people can engage in this work in a safe way, in a way where there's uh, no judgment or shame, or at least if those things come up, which inevitably they may, they can be held and, and worked through in a way that's in service to the individual and the, the broader work of the collective. So I still, yeah, just, you know, in, in kind of looking back across, kind of took us, what, a year and a half or so, kind of get to the point where we were, you know, formally uh, initiating these trainings. I just think there's just such, such wisdom in terms of, of who was in that room and, and how it all unfolded, which then leads us to, you know, the, the next few phases of this work, which I feel really confident, you know, will continue forward and, and serve many years into the future, as well as healing back many generations into the past. So for me, it's truly just being grateful to be a bit of the connector um, in this to allow space for you and, you know, indigenous voices and wisdom to come in and to, you know, to bring this particular group of folks from the Institute together that we're ready to listen and to receive and to um, vision a better future for, for all. Uh, thank you for sharing that. It's a, it's a wonderful story arc, and it, it is it's stunning to think about it in terms of it being a year and a half <laughs> since since we ran into each other. Um, and I'll, and I I guess I have two kind of specific questions. One is related to I think the the training itself this fall for you personally. You know, what was there anything that surprised you? You know, I know that you have extensive background in the DEI space, and for our listening audience, that's diversity, equity, inclusion. We just shorthand everything, don't we? <laughs> um, but with your background in the DEI space, um, having ran programs for years, administration of the nonprofit you founded, there's, you've had a lot of time with this. So was there anything that surprised you in your own learnings that was new to you or that, that, um, that, that have really has stayed with you? Yes. I mean, this work is constant and ever evolving and you just, I I feel like you just go deeper and deeper and deeper into it. So yes, I've had some experience in the space and I feel like I'm always a beginner um, and always so humbled by what emerges when I really engage in the work and many things come up, but I would say the work around um, ancestry has been really, really potent and really nourishing for me personally. What are at the roots of um, cultural appropriation? You know, what is this hunger that um, drives generally white, you know, white-bodied folks to want to, you know, kind of consume and take on these, you know, exotic or different kind of cultures as their own. And I think it really landed for me when thinking about how most white-bodied folks really are not connected to their own ancestry, their own sense of roots, their own land and water, like, and mountain. You know, I love that that frame. And so for personally, for me, it, um, 
While I've been aware of my lineages, um, I've gone very deep into this journey um, over the last six months or so. It's been fascinating. It's been fascinating to see how the dots connect. And another piece for me that I've really realized is that I'm a, a white body. I think a lot of folks, if they saw me, they would say, oh, you're, you're a white woman. Or they might scratch their head a little bit wondering, you know, that there, <laughs> there may be some other ethnicities in there. Something that I've really come to terms with um, is the fact that for most of my life, I've identified as a, a, a white woman. And in a way, by doing that, I'm marginalizing the, the diverse lineages that are in my blood. I'm continuing to, I mean, it's essentially I'm discriminating against myself by not honoring the full beauty and diversity of my ethnic lineages, which is Southeast Asian, Chinese, Melanesian, Indonesian. I mean, there's, there's so many beautiful pieces that I appreciate, but I've never outwardly really acknowledged and recognized. And so that's been a beautiful learning for me um, and just, yeah, space for so much more exploration. Yes. And I, I can, you know, I can feel the emotion and I feel that too. You know, I, I think it's, um, feels very forbidden for those who are white body to, to consider these, you know, a, a different dimension of our identity as we consider the space we're in. But it's interesting because, you know, when I'm, I've had the pleasure of listening to indigenous or Latinx um, advisors, um, sometimes there'll be kind of a sidebar conversation where I get to hear more about the complexity of their identity beyond these two identities I just used for them. And that we, and that we often carry, we can carry that complexity with us. And then, yeah. And then for those of us who get a lot of benefits from our whiteness and kind of white passing or true whiteness, whatever way we um, uh, find ourselves in this work, it's, it's, uh, it's all, all the more layered, isn't it? And, and, and confusing. So I, I'm, I'm just really appreciate you sharing part of your personal story of the voyage. And, and it, I just am looking forward to hearing more as you go forward. And, you know, maybe we can bring you back for another conversation in the future on that one, because it's, it's um, a great inquiry. Um, and I'm really glad that you're, you're working on that. It's very interesting. You know, as a, as a person, human today in 2020, asking the question, I'm sure as we all are, what, what can I do? You know, how can I best be of service? How can I engage in this myriad of multiple crises that we are experiencing as a human race today? For me, it continues to always come back to, you know, starting with the inner work and being able to truly accept all of the different facets within myself, some that I may not be proud of, but being able to truly embrace and hold that complexity that you just spoke of, good, bad, ugly, successful, whatever they may be. Because if I can, that, that has to be the starting ground. If I can accept, hold, compassion, empathy, love for all of these pieces, then from there, that space, I can go out into the world. And that's where I'll be able to act from true integrity. So it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's a bit of a dance. But um, to me, that's another piece of, of what the work together with you has, has revealed so much.
Oh, that's it's beautiful to hear the way you describe that. And I've, I've really sat with something, you know, like you, I've, I've been doing another layer of lineage work on my end. And, and I have a particularly um, hateful relative of mine that I'm exploring right now. And, and I also, but because the, the, um, this person is my people, you know, the stories passed down around this individual that are personal that you would never know about publicly, or that, that this individual is quite harmful in his own family, also not just out in community. And I just really sat with this idea that, you know, hatred is this inside job that, you know, when we're, as we're trying to explore who we are <laughs> as a real baseline, which for, you know, is that's where we start. Uh, it's hard to even get my head around sometimes. So that's literally what I'm trying to figure out right now as a grown ass woman in my mid forties, <laughs> as I'm exploring that, uh, just recognizing that at first I need to know who that person is. And then I need to find a way to find compassion and not feel self-hatred for those parts of uh, my lineage or, you know, even my day-to-day reality that I'm not happy with and the parts of myself that, um, that are less desirable, that are harmful to others, all those different pieces then that show up in my day to day. It's a, it's a very humbling work. And, and yet here we are in this um, process together. And it's, I know that I know I'd like to kind of focus on action. Um, if you don't mind, uh, I, I was curious as you were coming out of the training, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about responsibility and commitments. What, what has stayed with you from that? You know, I know we explored a, a different definition of allyship as being a guest of integrity and we explored um, the personal commitments we were willing to make to the work. And, and that might be something different for each of us. Um, but how has that shown up in, in terms of how you structure your day? For example, I'm just would be curious or, or how you structure, you know, your plans for this year and, and where you would devote your time and energy and resources. You know, in, in terms of just starting with response, the sense of responsibility, I, I feel a tremendous sense of responsibility to continue to stay engaged with this with this work in in any way, shape, or form that I can, um, whether it's self-learning, getting new books from kind of source authors, listening to podcasts, I think just because um, this kind of social justice work is, I don't want to use, I mean, I'm, I'll use the word trendy, you know, at the moment, um, but it's not going to kind of fall off the radar with the next news cycle. I feel really strong about that. So both doing my own work and really engaging this work um, amongst my close inner circle and my family that can sometimes be complicated, but I think um, that's a that's a commitment that I have, which for me feels like it will never stop. Once you kind of start to, to shine a light on some of these pieces, you just can't, at least for me, I can't stop knowing that there's work to be done. Um, and that's just my personality to, to continue with it. You know, in the context of, of, you know, my professional sphere, which is where many of us spend a lot of our hours and energy in the day, you know, I just, continue to to want to look through um you know kind of multiple lenses that's how i i think about it yeah how can we start to to overlay some of these pieces around healing and reconciliation allowing different different voices at the table um how can i we have a particular objective x y and z but how can we perhaps reframe it to to make sure that marginalized voices that otherwise traditionally may have been left out of this conversation are brought in, you know, in ways that really um, have meaning. So I think it's about me, you know, recognizing that I am in a white body and I tend to have 
you know, access and, you know, positional power in places, using that as a way to open the door for others, other perspective, other voices to come in. That's a deep commitment of mine. It's just an, a matter of figuring out how to how to do that with grace and tact and just really with the, the long-term vision around creating the conditions for benefit for all. Thank you for sharing that. Just pulling this into the present moment, January 6th, a stunningly shocking and also um, for some folks, not surprising at all event that happened in Washington, D.C., where our United States Capitol was overrun um, and overtaken by a combination of um, right-wing militia groups, innocent protesters who showed up for an event and a whole mixture of people in between. That event has, we are still in the middle of, I mean, we're just a few days after that. And in this time, um, it is really hard for, uh, I think, everyone to feel sorted about what is next for our country. Um, so along those lines, you know, in the context of January 6th, and maybe using it as an example, what do you feel our shared humanity means in this time? Oh goodness, that's a that's a big question and an important one and probably no more there's no more vital question to be asking because at the heart of it is about coming together. There's geez, there's been so much in play and it feels like what happened on uh, January 6th is just the I don't know, culmination of just all of these compounding issues that we're we're facing in the modern world and to me, what's at the heart of it is people are wanting to feel like they belong. There needs to there, there needs to be a coming together. Our po- politics in this country has gotten so deeply divided. Um, this is not letting anybody off the hook for just some of the egregious behavior that we've seen. Just to be clear, but I think you know at, at the heart of it is just really how can we as a country, as communities, as neighbors, as individuals, build build these bridges, learn to build these bridges. Not to say that we all have to have the same opinion about everything, but how can we be in conversation in a way that is respectful, um, in a way that really honors the other, and in a way that we can move forward together? Because this sort of destruction, b- blocking, grandstand, like, it's not serving anyone. It's not serving any being, human or otherwise. We have to really start to shift our view into a more holistic, integrated view. To me, that's the only way forward. Um, and you speak of a shared humanity, that, that's, that's it. And I also always love to consider, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way, but, you know, humanity is the two-legged, but I also think, you know, we want to make sure we give space for for all the leggeds and all the beings, uh, because that's in order for us to continue to move forward on a, you know, a healthy, resilient planet, we need to start thinking in, in that sort of way. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us today. Our, to our listening audience, um, this is Tanya Roos. She has generously given us her time today to be on our um, inaugural podcast of 2021 on the tale um, of a, a, a tremendous crisis in our democracy in this moment of all of us wondering 
where do we find those opportunities for hope? And, and Tanya, I just want to say thank you for, um, thank you for joining us and thank you for sharing your wisdom and your lived experience and your, you know, your personal moments and the ways that you personally are engaged in this work. Um, it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you very much. My honor, Maya. Thank you. Rise up, cause now's your time. We don't have to hide anymore, cause now's the time. This podcast is copyrighted 2021 for the Healing and Reconciliation Institute. Our music, thanks to Lila June Johnson and Lauren Monroe. Technical direction by Alice McGowan. Administration support by Evelyn and Alicia, our advisor circle of the Healing and Reconciliation Institute, and of course, myself, Maya West, as your host. Thank you for listening. <laughs>